Thanks for tuning in to the What's the Wi-Fi Password, a podcast for our Jesus Famous Youth Ministry. Today, we have a message from our 2022 middle school summer camp about trusting in the Lord. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys. Great to see you. Awesome worship, right? Great worship. To worship the Lord. We get to do this. It's amazing. Uh, I want to give it up for Bernard in the back. You normally don't get to see him, but he's running all of the sound. He's running all of the slides. And uh, I, I, uh, yeah, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for what you do and uh, allowing us to have these speakers and the sound and these quotes and these images and videos are all funneled through Bernard. So, thank you. Hey, if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, if you have your Bible, uh, Acts chapter 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, all right? So if you're in the New Testament and you go to Matthew, you hit to Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, all right? I want to talk to you today about a topic um, that you probably also have never struggled with, and that's trusting God with your time as a middle schooler and also as a leader. I want to talk to you leaders uh, today um, because I really believe it's time. It, It is really time. Billy Graham Uh, a famous evangelist in America and around the world. Uh, Billy Graham is someone who uh, people say has shared the gospel with more people in this world than any other person in history. Uh, Billy Graham was asked the question, what was the greatest shock of his life? And he answered with the brevity of it. The word brevity uh, simply means the shortness of it. And, And I really believe it's time. I think it's time for us to know uh, whose we are, and, and I think it's time that we trust in the Lord. Not, not just uh, who we are, but who God is and who he's called us to be. Uh, I had always, growing up, I always wanted to be someone. And I, I uh, growing up, I mimicked people all the time because I thought if I could find my identity in the stars, I could be really lifted high in this world. And so I always wanted to be someone. Uh, when I was growing up, the first Top Gun movie came out. And, and uh, yes, and uh, a little bit of my age. Uh, but uh, the, Tom Cruise was the main star of that movie also in Top Gun. And, and I just thought, I got I to gotta be like Tom Cruise. And so Tom Cruise had this short haircut. And so I cut my hair really short. And I bought in middle school, I bought these aviator Ray-Ban glasses like Tom Cruise. And I just thought, man, I, I'm going to buy a flight jacket. And I walked around my middle school at Arrowview Middle School just thinking, man, everybody knows I am like Tom Cruise. I got to be the coolest kid in the spot. Well, that that didn't really work, so there was a guy who would fight a lot in different movies, and his name was Bruce Lee, 
And, and I thought, it, it, I thought it, if I could at my middle school, because I was a little bit smaller, you know, if I could just kick like Bruce Lee, if, if I could just move like Bruce Lee when I'm playing basketball or I'm at PE, no one's really going to mess with me. And, and I just thought, man, if I could just be like Tom Cruise, my life would be great. If I could be like Bruce Lee, my life would be great. But they put me in typing class. And I know you don't really know what typewriters are, um, but it's just like you had to learn how to push all these keys. And I thought, I don't want to be in typewriting class. So they put me in choir. They put me in choir. And so I began to sing these songs, and I thought, Who's a song, like, who's a singer that I, I would like to just kind of dance like, you know, and act like? And so, so I, I at growing up, I thought if I could just dance like and sing like Michael Jackson, I, 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 would, <laughs> I would be, I, I would be something in life. And so I started, I, I just started doing all the twists like Michael Jackson and, you know, Michael Jackson does that move, you know, and, and I just thought, you know, if I could just... If I could just sing like Michael Jackson, you know, that, that would be awesome. You know, he used to sing that song that, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Oh, yeah. I'm asking him to change his ways. No. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Na 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 na. I thought I, I I thought if I could just sing like, if I could dance like. So I went from Tom Cruise to Bruce Lee to Michael Jackson. Well, I wasn't getting many girls singing like Michael Jackson. So so I thought to myself, well, at Arrowview Middle School, I, I gotta I, 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 maybe if I want my princess, you're gonna have to maybe be like Aladdin. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, one jump ahead of the strong man. One jump ahead of the... I steal only what I can't afford. That's everything. And so I thought, well, I need my magic carpet ride. And so, it began. Unbelievable sights. Indescribable feelings soaring on and ending. There you go. Don't you dare close your eyes. Hold your breath, it gets better. I'm like a. I've come too far. So I went from I went from Tom Cruise to Bruce Lee to Michael Jackson now to a cartoon character in a movie named Aladdin. It wasn't enough. So as I got a little bit older, there was a cool movie that that, that came out and and uh, it, it was uh, called Lord of the Rings and. Uh, <laughs> I know he was kind of ugly, but I just thought, I just thought, man, he had, he had this cool line, you know. He, he had the, the ring. He always wanted the ring, and, and, and he would go around, and, and he always said, my precious. Master loves the precious. 
And, and I, I throughout my life always tried to be someone. Do you know when I was 14 years old, I was helping at a concert at Calvary Chapel of San Bernardino, and I was actually serving at that, that concert, that the Lord spoke a message to my heart that he saw me, that he loved me, and he would forgive me. And I was the last 14-year-old to go up to the front and receive Jesus Christ on that day. Do, do you know I learned something? It was not about being someone. It was about having someone. Do you know it wasn't about what I was going to do with my life? It was who he was calling me to be with my life. And I learned this valuable lesson that in my life that I could live all sorts of my time trying to play out high school musical and trying to be the person that was, I'm soaring, flying, there's not a star in heaven that we, it, and we could spend all of our time being all of these different stars, but the goal was not to be a star. The goal was to be like the sun, and to be like the sun, I had to have the sun, and when I had the sun, the truth, the way, and the life, what happened when I had the sun is the truth of Jesus changed my time on earth. And when I took in the truth of Jesus and I received him as my gift, what happened in my life was, is that the truth altered my time. Now here's what I want to submit to you this morning, and that is this. You're going to live in two types of times. In the Greek, I want you to write this down because I want you to go home and tell your parents that you learned some Greek at this camp, all right? Here's what I want you to do. Write down the word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S. The word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S. Chronos, I don't know, like a titan? No, I don't know Percy Jackson. I haven't met him yet. But I will one day, I think. L -l Listen, I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, chronos, the word chronos is where we get the word chronological. It, it speaks of the... the uh, quantity of days that you have on earth. We all have a chronological day that you were born, and there's a hyphen, and there that one day you'll have a day where you'll, you're going to die. That's chronos, that you have chronological time in your life. But there's another word that I learned that's very important, and that's the word kairos. That's K-A-I-R-O-S. So not only chronos do I live in, but God says I have kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. Kairos is not the quantity of time on this earth. Kairos is the quality in which I use the quantity of that time. So God's given to me a chronos time, but he also has given to me a kairos time. And I believe that you are a generation that not only lives in the chronos, but you're a generation that lives in the kairos. I believe that you are a generation that finds itself redeeming the time. Why? Because I want you to write this down. If you lose your voice as the church, the world loses its way. And I believe that in this chronos time that God has given to us, the goal is for us not to act like a certain sports star or acting star or singing star. The goal is for us to be like Jesus, the Son. Now, everywhere I went throughout camp this last few days, I saw images of Josh looking at me in places. While I was preaching, Josh's picture was up here. While I was using the bathroom, someone put up a picture of Josh. While I'm washing my hands, someone put up a picture of Josh. While, while I'm go walking at the snack shack there, the sugar, 
Pharaoh. Uh, I, while I was there, there's a picture of Josh. Everywhere I went, I saw an image of Josh. Everywhere you go, you are leaving an image of Jesus to the world that's surrounding you. And because God redeemed the time, he calls you and I to redeem the time. He calls you and I to come to a spot in our lives where we simply live on mission for him. And simply put, if there was a man in the Bible that did that, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, historians say, traveled 17,250 miles to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two-thirds of the New Testament that you hold in your hand were written by the Apostle Paul. Paul had a vision of Jesus, so Paul's mission was Jesus. So we like to say this, where I'm from, our vision is Jesus, our mission is people, and our cause is love. We're going to live this out. The Apostle Paul lives this out. Now, just like you, the Apostle Paul was called. He wasn't necessarily called to come up on Woodleaf and you had this amazing experience with Jesus. Some of you have seen Jesus in a way that you've never seen him before. Some of you experienced Jesus in a way that you've never experienced him before. Some of you, your wet eyes met met Mr. Amen and you are now teenagers of conviction and not opinion. You've come to a spot in your life where you are at a spot where everything about your life, you know something happened to you at this camp. That was a good spot for an amen. You know something happened to you at this camp. You know you met Jesus. You you know that even in the midst of your pain that God is real. You know in the midst of even your hurt that Jehovah is your healer, that he is your provider, that he is your sustainer. You've met God in that way in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know the Apostle Paul met Jesus not at a retreat but on a road? He was on his way to persecute other Christians and drag them in prison and drive them off to be killed. And God took a hold of the Apostle Paul's life in such a radical way that all he could do was just live his life out for him. And that is my prayer as you leave this camp, is that you, with the time that you have, you've had such a radical experience with Jesus that you take Jesus back into your home, your malls, your schools, your workplaces, your city, your nation. Because I really believe this. If we could see our homes changed, we can see our neighborhoods changed. And if we could see our neighborhoods changed, we could see our city changed. And if we could see our city changed, we could see our county changed. And if we could see our county changed, we could see our state changed. If we could see our state changed in California, we could see the nation changed. And if we could see this nation changed, we could see the world changed. And that's exactly what God wants to do in you and through you to raise you up to be those types of people. But Paul was on a journey because Paul met Jesus. And because of this journey that Paul was on, he would now use everything about his time to reflect the person of Jesus Christ in this world. He's called to go uh, to Macedonia. It's called the Macedonia Call. He got this guy in a vision calling him, Paul, will you just come over? Paul and Silas go into this area, and the Bible says now it happened. Now it happened as in verse, if you would, chapter 16, verse 16, and now it happened as he went to Woodleaf. As Paul was on his way to prayer, he was having a little worship session. He was having a little bit of a good time. He was going to seek the Lord. 
now as we went. No, notice he wasn't alone. You can go fast by yourself, but you can go farther when you're together. He says, now when we went to prayer. Now, a lot of times I'm like, I want to go to a concert. I took my daughter to see Shawn Mendes, and, um, and uh, it was our, our date. I date my, all of my kids. It was a special time. And I saw all of these young ladies dressing up like they were actually going to meet Shawn Mendes and Charlie Puth. Uh, uh, but they were so far away in the crowd, but they had dressed like to the best of their ability. We love concerts, and, and, and listen, we love music, we love entertainment, but notice where Paul was heading. Paul was heading to pray. Paul was going to a spot where he was not just going to sing to God, he was actually going to seek God. So as Paul and Silas are on this way, and I believe Dr. Luke, is there Dr. Luke in here today? As Dr. Luke was on the journey and as they're traveling in this way, notice they're leaving Woodleaf and they're on their way after having this radical experience with Jesus. And as they're having this radical experience with Jesus, something happens. They meet a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination who met us, who brought her masters much profit, fortune-telling. And the girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Can you write this down? Don't expect it to go well when you leave Woodleaf. I just want to be honest. Don't expect it. You might meet some demonic forces when you're coming down off this retreat because you've met with God. Satan is not happy that you encountered Jesus. And so he's going to do everything in his power to distract you from the person of Jesus. So Paul and Silas and Dr. Luke are on their way and they're praying. And they run into this woman who has been possessed by demons. How do they live out their time in this way? L listen, listen, here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to write this down. If you take note, I want you to remember this. Remember, you're going to remember 70% more of your pastor's messages if you write them down. Write down, take notes, do it the old-fashioned way, bring a pen, bring a paper, and let God speak to your heart, all right? Write this down if you're taking note. I believe, number one, it's time to cast out what we've been negotiating with. I believe it's time that we cast out what we have been negotiating with. So this girl is following Paul around. Now understand Paul's journeying, and as Paul's journeying, this girl is crying out, these are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. And all of these people are looking at Paul and Silas and Dr. Luke. And now all of a sudden, Paul gets a little bit agitated. Notice this. But Paul, notice this, greatly annoyed. Apostle Paul, he's annoyed. You ever been annoyed by something? Like, Casey, you're too loud. You're too crazy. It's annoying. There's, 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 there's too much energy. Listen, there, there's, an, a biblical, there's a biblical annoyance. There's a biblical annoyance that you can look at in your life. Paul's annoyed, and he turns and said to the spirit, notice this, 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Notice the Apostle Paul as he's coming off of this amazing prayer time of seeking God, runs into demonic forces, he speaks to the demonic forces and he says these words, come out of her. Now this very hour, he said, come out of her and he came out that very hour. Notice the time element, that very hour. Paul would not negotiate with darkness that he needed to be cast out. And I'm going to just tell you this, when you go down back into your homes and your schools and in the malls or wherever you might be, there is going to be darkness there to meet you. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and forces in dark places. And we find ourselves, notice this, coming off of highs like this, facing the low levels of darkness oftentimes in our lives to bring us to a place of distraction. Now, I believe that demon possession is real. I don't believe as a Christian that you could be demon-possessed. If the Spirit of God lives within you, there's no other spirit that could get in you. You can be oppressed by demons, but not possessed by demons. If you want to do a little bit of homework, or if you're a leader and you want to talk a little bit more about this, Notice you can read in Acts chapter 8, verse 9 through 24, that they cast out demons. In Acts chapter 13, verse 6 through 12, they cast out demons. In Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 20, they cast out demons. This is not just something of yesterday. This still happens today. And we come to a place, notice this, in the Apostle Paul's life, that there is this spot at the very hour, the very hour, that Paul said, no more, no more of this. And I think when you go back home, you're gonna have to have that very hour moment. You're gonna have to say, no more of this in my life. I'm not gonna allow an inch of this in my life anymore. No more of this. Sometimes we delay what God is telling us to deal with. And I just want you to write this down as a middle schooler. Delayed obedience is disobedience to God. Delayed obedience is disobedience to God. You must deal with it that very hour. I think some of us want to be happy in the hour when what we really need to be is holy in that hour. And I just want to speak to you leaders for a minute. There is no room for you to compromise as a leader. There is no space for you to give an inch to the enemy. There is no opportunity for us if we desire to lead kids in the holiness and the grace of God for us as leaders to be compromising in our walks with Jesus. I think it's important that we understand that God raises the level of leadership and he cries out, I want you to be without reproach. I want you to be holy. And I just want to submit this to you leaders. If there is compromise in your life, it is now time for us, not just the junior hires, but also for us as leaders to deal with it. Not that we would be happy in this life, but holy and ready for the life that God has to come. I think oftentimes what we do is we think that our experience with sin is going to be greater than what the Father has already said to us. Now, you've met all of my kids. Bernard, I don't know if you could bring up that black and white picture of my son, uh, Evan. But, but th this, uh, this specific son, uh, I told him specifically uh, in our house. We, we live amongst a lot of hills. And my boys, they love skateboarding. And this, this son in particular, I told him with his skateboard, I said, stop bombing the hills. 
he just flies down them. I mean, he's standing up, and he's going just as fast as he can down the hill. And as he's at this spot, I said, son, I'm telling you this as your father. You have to stop bombing the hills. And guess what he did? He bombed the hill. Right after the father told him not to bomb the hill. So he's standing up on the skateboard, and he's heading down the hill. His bearings freeze up. The bearings stop the whole skateboard, but he keeps going forward. He lands on the asphalt, hitting his head. And he said, Dad, I passed out. I don't even know. I was on the street at one moment, and then all of a sudden, I was on the grass the next moment, and a neighbor was tapping my leg, asking me, waking me up to see if I was okay. I said, Son, how did all of this happen? He said, Dad, I didn't listen to your word. And I think sometimes in our lives, oftentimes what can happen in our lives is is we can find ourselves where the dad, our father God, has already declared what is best for us. But we still say we can do it because it's exciting, it's exhilarating, and it lasts just for a moment. And what happens is, is we no longer listen to the Father's word. But I think it's time that we stop negotiating with images uh, uh, that are illicit that we shouldn't be looking at. With, with, with drunkenness for people that they're negotiating with. With, with jealousy, with giving uh, uh, our, our heart into loss. We need to stop negotiating with the, the movies that you know you should not be watching. With, with flirting with people that you know you shouldn't be flirting with. We need to stop negotiating with our own anger, with our own hatred, with our own unforgiveness, with our own abusive speech. Cast it out. Cast it out. Cast it out. Confess it. Crucify it. It's time. We can't shake hands with sin and think that you won't live with a broken heart. You will always live with a broken heart when you shake hands with sin in your life. And God is calling you to a place where he's saying it's time. It's time, 1 John 1, 9. It's time that we confess our sin and allow God to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's time that we would see right now that that it's time for us to, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, crucify our flesh. Listen, it's time for us in Mark chapter 8 to take up our cross and follow after Jesus Christ. Would you remember this, please? We are not diplomats, but prophets, and our message is not a compromise, it's an ultimatum. It's time. It's time that we live this way. I think the second thing that Paul and Silas and Luke did is they knew that it was time, if you take note, it was time to live with so much boldness it produces conflict. I think it's time for you as a junior hire to live with so much boldness that it produces conflict in your life. Listen what Paul and Silas do. They now cast out this demon, but the Bible says that Paul was greatly annoyed. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that there was uh, that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. 
And then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Notice what happened in the opportunity of obedience Paul, Silas, and Luke met opposition. They met opposition. And I think it's time that you live with so much boldness that it will produce some type of conflict in your life. Can I just submit this to you as a middle schooler and also as a leader? When you walk with God, A plus B does not always equal C. Obedience is not attractive in our world to God, especially when you bring up the name of Jesus. Standing up for life is not attractive in this world. It's not. Saying no to sin is not attractive in this world, but it pleases God. So live for the applause of one person. Paul and Silas and Luke, they did this in such a way that their boldness to stand against the demonic forces brought loss to this man, but also threw them into prison. Notice the, the Apostle Paul and Silas, they were, notice this, in Luke, they were beaten, they were lied about, and then they were thrown into prison. L listen, we need spirit-empowered conviction and courage and urgency. This is not the time right now for half-hearted Christianity. This is not the time. The line is being drawn. There's no longer time for you to pander to pool of popularity or meander through a maze of mediocrity. We have to be people who won't give up, shut up, or let up until we've stayed up and stored up and prayed up and preached up for the cause of Christ. And when Jesus comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing us because our banner will be clear. This is the time that you do that, that you live with such boldness that you would see that God is calling you, as was shared earlier, that we fight from truth, not for the truth. So I want to share some truths with you that aren't popular right now. Can I do that? And I want this to be a biblical worldview that you take with you home. You ready? This isn't popular for me to say in our culture, nor is it in our time. You ready? Come here, all of you. Are you ready? Here we go. Listen, God is the creator. Jesus is still the savior. Listen, you were made in the image of God. Listen to me, this is not popular. Men are not women. Women are not men. Living girlfriends and boyfriends are not spouses. Your animals are not your children. The internet is not the local church. Words are not guns. Feelings are not always fact. Creatures are not what rule, the creator rules. This is not popular. Jesus is the answer. The gospel still has power, the blood still works, and the Bible is still true, and the church is still advancing, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul and Silas's obedience disrupted the cultural norm. So please, let me ask you to do something as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Stop asking God to shrink your conflict and start asking him to grow your courage. It's time. It's time. 
Not only is it time for us to stop negotiating, not only is it time for us to live in boldness, lastly, it's time to declare in the darkness what you've already learned in the light. It's time for you to declare in the darkness what you've already learned in the light. Notice this time. But it was at midnight. It was at midnight. What does midnight look like? It's dark. Paul and Silas at midnight were praying. And notice what they were doing. They were singing hymns to God. There were no lyrics on the screen. There was no band. There was no projector, but Paul and Silas had their own worship service in a prison. How did they sing these hymns? They had to memorize the hymns in the light to sing them in the darkness. So here's Paul and Silas listening. All the prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the four foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed, and the keepers of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why did he ask that question? Because Paul and Silas were singing. They were singing. Can I encourage you to do something as a middle schooler? Sing in the darkness. Sing in the darkness. Paul and Silas were beaten. They had stripes. They had open wounds. But not only that, they weren't just thrown in the prison. They were in the inner prison. It's like this, Paul and Silas just were not in a place just right in front of the stage. They were actually placed in a room. No one saw them. No one could understand. No one could follow after them. They, they couldn't do anything. But notice what they were doing. In an unseen world, they were seen by God. Can I just tell you that? You're seen you're heard, you're known, and you're loved. God hears you and he sees you. And notice Paul and Silas, if you're taking note. Paul and Silas, they were, they were bound to, to, to shackles. They, they were put in stocks, the Bible says. Uh, let, let me tell you how they, this is how they looked during that time. This, this is how they were worshiping God. They were worshiping God on their back. Where was the only place they could look? They could only look up. They could only look up. They're in shackles. And notice what happens. They begin to sing. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house. All of a sudden, all the prisoners are like, is the radio on? No, 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 no. There, there was a song in Paul and Silas's heart for Jesus because they were saved by Jesus. So no matter if they were in a prison or in a uh, cathedral or in a synagogue, they would worship no matter where they were. Church is not just in the building you attend. Church is where you take the church because you are the church. So let me submit some things to you as we wrap this up. 
let, 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 let me just submit this to you, and I, I want you to write this down. That this is, this is heaven rejoicing praise. This is heaven rejoicing praise. The, 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 this is them at midnight praying and singing hymns to God. This is heaven rejoicing. Notice what happens when heaven is rejoicing. Second thing, this is earth shaking. This is earth shaking. When there's heaven rejoicing, the earth is shaking. And that's what happened with the Apostle Paul and Silas in verse 26. There was a great earthquake. And notice this, when you praise the Lord, it's heaven rejoicing, it's earth shaking, it is door opening. It's door opening. All the prison doors just fled open. And notice this, this is bondage breaking. This is not, a, not only heaven rejoicing and earth shaking and door opening. This is bondage breaking. When they praised, their shackles came off. I need to say that again, man. That, that's a preaching moment. When they praised, the shackles came off. When they praised, the shackles came off. They, you're like, I can't sing. I can't sing. Sing in your shower. Sing in your shower. I, you, I don't want to sing. I, I, no, no, no. Sing wherever you're at. I don't really have a voice. I can't lead the band. You're not called to lead the band. You're just called to bring yourself to Jesus. I can't sing. I, I remember I was in my shower. I lived in condominiums, I told you. And my mom opened the window so all the steam would go out. And I was singing Aladdin at the time. And, and I didn't know that my, my neighbor was listening to me. And all of a sudden I hear I'm, I'm showering up and she says, you sound great in there. People are watching and listening to your praise. This is bondage breaking. And notice this. This is life-altering praise. This is life-altering. The, the, the centurion, the, the guard, looks up and he says, hey, he says, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? How can I get some of that? 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 Some of that what? When you're in prison, you still have joy. When you're in prison, you still have praise. When you're in darkness, you still have light. When you are at a, a hopeless place, you have an endless hope still in your heart. How can I get some of that? How can I get some of that? And that's what's going to happen when you go home. Everyone around you is like, how can I get some of that? How can I get some of that stuff that you have? The only way is Paul and Silas stayed in a place where they knew the truth and were right with God. Thus, they knew the time they were living in. And they would sing what they learned in the light. They would sing it in their darkest moment. So here's, I want to submit to you this. Worship changes the atmosphere. So sing when you're about to go to sleep. Sing when you feel depressed. Sing when you're battling panic attacks or anxiety. Sing when all else is attacking you. Sing and remind yourself of the goodness of God. And as you leave, Make sure as you leave Woodleaf that you are right with God. You see, I grew up in a Christian home. I have an older brother who's three years older than me, and I have a younger sister who now lives on the west coast of Australia. 14 months. We grew up in a Christian home. We knew everything about uh, church. We knew everything about the gospel. We knew everything about Jesus. But listen, we had all the right news, but we did nothing with it. My brother was 15 years old. He was uh, skateboarding. And oftentimes, as you might see on the X Games, the guys who lay down on their skateboards and they go down hills really fast. My brother was doing that. He was skating a half pipe 
uh, on the other side of the neighborhood, on the other side of the hill, and he uh, wanted to wanted to come home, but my parents told him to come home a little bit later, but he came, he came home late. It was getting dark. The darkness was settling in. My brother decided at the top of the hill of Little Mountain Drive in San Bernardino that he would lay down on his skateboard. And as he's laying down, he's going down the curves of the road, and as he's going down the curves of the road, he's going down, and he realizes there's a car that's now about to make a left-hand turn. Now, back when we were kids, their cars didn't have plastic bumpers. They actually had metal bumpers, all right? And so my brother thought, I'm going to jump off of my skateboard, and I'll miss the car. But because he was going so fast on his skateboard, his body skipped down the street. And as it skipped down the street, at the turning of the metal bumper, my brother's leg, the inside of his leg, caught onto that bumper, and his head was thrown right up into the car. And as my brother's at this spot, the guy in the vehicle gets out of his car and he realizes he has a pillowcase in the back of his car. My brother had severed a major artery. He was bleeding to death. The guy ties his leg off. Come to find out as they rush my brother to Loma Linda and God saves his life. He's 15 years old. God saved, God saved his life. Listen, come here just for a minute. I don't have a lot of time. I know you got to go. Listen, as God saved his life. Listen, his knee was found up into his thigh area, portions of his knee. He spent months at Loma Linda Hospital where in Southern California, months. As my brother was being restored back to life, he had all these pins in his leg. He couldn't walk anymore. He still can only bend his leg to that, to that area, and to that degree he can no longer run. All he could do is ride a mountain bike or cycle if he wants, but, but, but he, can't, he can't do anything and I, I asked him, I remember years later, I asked my brother, I said, what were you thinking about when you were laying there? Because when we got the phone call from his friend, as we ran up the street where we lived, my brother's blood was coming down the street. And I knew it was a very dark situation. You know, my brother, he said, I, I wasn't thinking about my skateboard. I wasn't thinking about they ripped my jeans. Uh, I, I wasn't thinking... Uh, about my girlfriend, or I wasn't thinking about my school. He said, everything went black, Casey. Everything went black. And he said, all I thought about as a 15-year-old was, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God. That's the, that was the most predominant thought on his mind, was that he was not right with God. And I would hate for you to leave this camp this week and not be right with God and knowing that Jesus has died for your sin on the cross, that you could be forgiven today if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. You know that you're a sinner. You've been hiding. You've been waiting for this moment. And maybe your heart's even racing now. I, I want to just challenge you to trust in the Lord. I want to challenge you to trust in the Lord as we end camp. You notice that the camp, a logo, is surrounded in a heart. Why? Because God always goes for the heart and not modifying your behavior. Because if your heart's transformed, your life is transformed, and your time is transformed by him.